Thanks for joining us on the last episode of season one of the Mostly Legal podcast. If this is your first time checking out the show, that's okay. Each episode, we've had the honor of sharing the mic with some incredible people who work behind the scenes of law firms. My name's Rob Joyner. I'm the VP of Sales and Marketing at Centerbase. And I'm Amanda Copeless. I have been in legal management for almost 17 years, and it all started when today's guest found my resume and convinced a small firm to take a chance on me. So basically, this is all his fault. Since that time, Winston Williams has been my mentor, law firm management guru, and friend. He's been all over the legal management industry, both inside firms and as a trusted advisor to hundreds of others. His experience, insight, and knowledge are second to none. And this episode is packed full of juicy tidbits for law firm owners and managers alike. He obviously knows what he's doing. I mean, he selected me after all. So let's hear from the expert. Hi, Winston. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Normally... We have two guests and one introduces the other, but since it's just you today, Amanda, do you want to do the introduction? Sure. I don't know how I'm going to make this in just a few sentences because Winston has literally done a little bit of everything. I would say at his baseline, Winston is an entrepreneur. He has been in legal management or legal management adjacent since 1997 when he founded a company called PS Focus, which basically stands for proactive solutions that are allowing entrepreneurs to focus on their core services. So in law firms, that translates to handling all of the back office, the accounting and anything that goes along with that. But in addition to doing that, he has a publishing company where he has written a book, which I read. It was called Would You? And you don't get the answer to the question until you read, I think, the last page, maybe. So isn't that true, Winston? Don't people always ask what the would you stands for? Yeah, yes, yes. Yes. It, and I remember that correctly, right? It's the last page that you finally get the answer. Uh, no. Or very... No, because I'm writing, no? a, I'm writing a sequel now. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a doozy. <laughs> What's your sequel going to be called? It's going to be called Meet Gordon. Meet Gordon. Okay. Mm -hmm. All now, right. it, Do we it get to know? It all makes sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You have to wait right. and read it. Oh my gosh. I hate that. I hate that. So in addition to all of that illustrious work career, Winston is also the founder of the Capital City Black Film Festival, which is based in Austin, Texas. And it was really dedicated to providing emerging and established filmmakers an opportunity to showcase their work. So from there, he's transitioned into a newest and latest endeavor, which is a company called CWP Entertainment. In that management company, they are assisting filmmakers advancing their careers. So did I Get it all, Winston? You you did a very good job. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Because being proud of me is like really important for, for me. I like that. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to say a little bit more about how I know Winston as well. Yeah. Uh, I was waiting you. for that. You're waiting for that. Okay. The most so, important part, right? The most important part where, where it goes back to- Because it's about Amanda. That's right. That's right. Once <laughs> yeah, it all shifts to being about me, it's much better. In our first <laughs> episode, Rob, you asked me to tell our, my story and how I got yep. into legal management. And I referenced Winston and told him that the way he found 
this spunky little girl before she was even in her 30s on monster.com and found my resume and brought me forth to a law firm. Once we were there, he was also kind of my mentor and helped me keep the trains running until I figured out what I was doing because I had never worked in a law firm before. And he got the illustrious job of explaining trust accounting to me, <laughs> as well as explaining, yes, Amanda, no, those financials, it's called cash-based accounting. Go back to like day one, forget everything you know about accrual and go back to cash accounting. So then I guess along the way, you've just kind of been my ear. Anytime I want to talk about legal management issues, you're, you've are you been there, right? I, I have. I've been here, but I say... Um... <laughs> Amanda doesn't give herself enough credit. She is a very quick study. When she learned it all in a short period of time, I missed her because she didn't need mm. me anymore. <laughs> Aww. Or you missed the engagement where they were paying you extra to help me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh. <laughs> both. Both. <laughs> Then you've worked for quite a few firms in and out and around your career, right? Well, I, I divide that answer up into two things. Um, one, as an employee, and second, as a consultant. So as an employee, it was only about three different law firms. And as a consultant, it's been, oh, hundreds uh, over these 24 wow. years, I tell you. <laughs> so... So Winston, how did you get how did you get started? Was in, it at a firm, or can you tell us more about that? Okay, well, you know, great story. Uh, what was I a sophomore in college, and um, at Barton Creek Mall on a Saturday, ran into a friend of mine, and uh, I said, "Hey, I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know anybody hiring?" <laughs> and she said. My law firm is looking for runners, you know, just just come in Monday morning. Don't even make an appointment. Just come in. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I went in uh, to that firm on a Monday morning, met with the office manager, and they hired me on the spot. And that's how I got wow. started. Yeah. So I went from uh, being a runner to... Oh, well, this was the invention of the desktop computer. <laughs> God. <laughs> You're dating yourself. Hey, dating I, I, I have earned every gray hair on my face and every lack of hair on my head. So uh, <laughs> I've earned it. it. I've earned it. I went to being a building coordinator and uh, that same law firm promoted me and they sent me to Nashville to learned this new building software uh -oh. and um, I learned that software and really achieved expert level at it mm -hmm. and started teaching the classes here in town to train people and then I became a law firm administrator and did that for seven years and then I started my own company and here we are 24 and years later <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. So you were big in ALA in Austin for a long time. You know um, what? I, I have a big personality, but I never held an office. You never held? Okay. So I just remember you because you were always there. Yeah. No. Or maybe from our Denver trip. Oh, it was, it, <laughs> like I said, uh, throw party will show up. <laughs> you know, Amanda's saying she remembers you because you were always there. 
and I'm in, you know, I, I think I heard you before we started talking about being an introvert. Was that, is that true? Are that you an is introvert? true. That I, I'm, I am a natural born introvert, but early, early on in my career, I had to figure out that you can't be an introvert and be successful, at least not what I wanted to do. So I basically learned how to be an extrovert and I have my introvert time every day, you know, at my ripe old <laughs> age, I'm not married because I, I, I cannot be out in front of people and have somebody at home too. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I admire people who can, but I need my downtime every day. <laughs> Wow. Maybe yeah. I just forget because I'm such an extrovert that I just drag people along with me. Maybe I don't realize that people aren't as uh, into it as I am. Well, you know, and, and uh, I will allow myself to be dragged. Is that it? Dragged along. <laughs> but yeah. when, I'm, when I'm done, I'm done. I check out. <laughs> Yeah, but not I many people that. believe that I, I am an introvert. And I was saying, I know the pandemic was hard on a lot of people. And, you know, a lot of people died and suffered some hard things. But the good thing about us introverts is we didn't have to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to see people. We could click our little professional profile for Zoom meetings. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rob and I joke about the best part of the pandemic for us is one of the things we have in common is that we hate being touched. And so nobody tries to hug me anymore. Even now when they try to shake my hand, I can just like say, oh, no, COVID, I don't want to shake their hands. And so we have. I'm back to like a pound or an elbow. Oh, are you? Okay. Well, I, I gave my first elbow. hug a few days ago. Oh, I could do an elbow, but I'm just, I hated hugging pre-COVID and now I'm going to have an excuse forever to never have to hug anybody. Oh, wow. But I, feel, <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> the, the people listening to this are going to all start coming up and trying to hug me now. Like that should be a challenge. Who can, who can hug Amanda? Get the therapy so sessions ready. Um <laughs> Well, then there's that too. <laughs> so Winston, you've now been working in some capacity within legal management for 20 plus years. Can you talk to us about the evolution, what you've seen change over that time? You know, um, especially you know, around the role of the administrator, I would say. Yeah. What is the signal when I've been talking too long? Do we need a signal? Uh, is it just going to no. shut up, Winston? You're going too long. But because no, I have a lot to say. You are the guest, so you get to say whatever you want. <laughs> here, the more here. you talk, the better, the better this podcast is. People don't want to hear us. No, they don't. <laughs> well, I'll start out like this. I am the youngest of eight children, okay, and our parents, our mother and our father, uh, raised us all and put us all in college being self-employed. I grew up in a household that says, you know, look at the world and figure out if you want to work for yourself, what you want to do. And I remember being a legal administrator and, you know, figuring it out and was really good at it. Like I did for Amanda, I had mentors who really showed me uh, what to do. So, um, and I figured out that there wasn't really one way to do things. There were several ways, but you had to get to the point what that met the needs of the partners and the firm. 
and still be legal. Okay. So, so <laughs> <laughs> mostly of, legal, mostly, mostly, mostly. <laughs> I started to notice that the partnership track now I'm still dating myself, but the partnership track, when it went from five years to seven years and the cost, cause that was that back in those days, there was a buy-in to be an equity partner. Oh, right. Right. And the cost for the buy-in was going up and up and up because there were beginning to be too many at the top. The overhead expenses between health insurance, salaries, and rent just going up and up and up. And I said, okay, so then it went from five to seven years. And I heard the grumblings of the associates. Right. And they were saying like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't wait that long. Right. That was a long time. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet our associates today would be thrilled with a seven year. A uh, seven year. Well, I mean, if we yeah. fast forward today, I, what I saw coming was the partnership track was going to become harder and harder mm-hmm. and associates were going to become smarter and smarter on how to market themselves and get their own clients. And a smaller firm could have less overhead because technology was advancing. And I said, I'm going to get out here and start this little thing. (laughs) Uh, Because if they go out and start on their own, they're going to need somebody like me to help them understand all these aspects of management that I know. And that's what it's been for, for all this time. More and more firms, associates are leaving and hanging out their own shingle. And so you feel like your specialty then is helping those small solo or couple of attorney firms get their start, basically. Yes. My target market from day one were, were law firms with one to five attorneys. And, and what advice would you give firms now who are, are starting out or solos who want to go out on their own? They need to engage someone like me um, okay. to help them. Because I tell them, your name could be Mike or Bob or Sue or Debbie or whatever. You're going to face the same things. And I've Mm -hmm. seen it a hundred times over. So let me come and work with you to tell you all the mistakes that that you don't need to make (laughs) and how to do it right. I have firms now that, you know, started out with me way back when, who I call it sunsetting. Because yeah. they did what I told them to do. They did their part. They made the money. They invested. They did whatever. And they're ready to retire. Go right. fishing. You do not have <laughs> to die behind your desk. <laughs> so I would say, you know, hire somebody like me and learn. Lawyers have to learn how to be owners of a firm. Mm-hmm. There are components that I've been able to educate my clients on And I love it when they are so thankful, you know, because they get it. And if you get it, you can learn it, get rid of me and then do it yourself, but learn it. And those that don't, they end up crashing and burning. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I feel like it's the initial investment. Most definitely. Most definitely. So one thing you mentioned, going back to the firm administrators and, and the change, you said, I heard technology. And then also for the firm in general, it's the buy-in as well. Are there other big areas that you've seen change over the past 20 plus years? 
The, the next one is the human capital piece. <laughs> when you go back to the day of one secretary for three attorneys, yeah. yeah. what is a secretary now? I mean, I don't mean to belittle that position, but so many lawyers are coming out being able to do all of these things that we needed the, a live human being to do, you know, a mm -hmm. separate person. And on top of that, having a paralegal. And so I haven't really kept up with what's happening inside of those industries. I just know that I am now able to design firms that don't have a paralegal or a secretary. Not much administrative help at all. You don't have to get up and walk to the fax machine or to the copy machine or lick the stamp to put on the mail and then <laughs> write down manually one postage for client number. No, uh, it's none of that. And I know there may be some people who will hear this and not know anything about the Flintstone ages, but... <laughs> That's the time in which I came up when expenses like copy charges and uh, and faxes, that it was a profit center for the firm. You know, it was, it was making a lot of money for the firm and you had all these people, but now you don't have the people, the technology has advanced and you can operate a firm at a pretty, pretty good profit margin. I really like what you said about lawyers being... Uh, not just owning the business, but also running the business. And I think that that's a, a real prolific problem, especially with solos, because you have to build the business so that you can retire from it. And as a lawyer, your asset is yourself, right? Yes. And so I think it it's kind of this entrepreneurial myth, right? That if you start as a solo and you work really hard and you put in the hours and you bill your clients that you're going to be successful. But if you don't have the strategic plan or th the strategic direction and you aren't designing the firm to outlive you or designing it to sell or designing it to be, you know, money going forward, then it's only as valuable as the number of hours in a day and as much as you can possibly work. Right. No, I, I mean, OK, yes, you're correct. But number of hours in the day, number of hours you can work is nothing if you don't collect it. Oh, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche, touche. But, but the, the number of times I've had to sit with owners of a law firm and say, you've got to track every tenth of an hour in a day. Because if you don't, there's no way to analyze what you've done to help you be better, more effective, or whatever. Since day one, I have kept my track of my time like a lawyer, okay? Oh, really? Uh, okay. Every day. And I still do it because that's how I build my clients. I started out uh, trying to offer services at a flat fee. And this is the same thing that lawyers get involved in, but I tracked my time. And oh, after about a year, that flat fee was eating my lunch. And here's what I called it. I called it dead bodies. You look at a firm, has a nice office, nice furniture. Everybody's wearing ties and dressed up. And they are living <laughs> in a cemetery of dead bodies in management. <laughs> that, and I had discovered the dead bodies, so I had to 
dig them up and ID them and <laughs> give them an autopsy, find out how they died and tag them and give them a proper burial. And I couldn't do that with a flat fee. I figured it out. <laughs> Wow, that is that is pretty brilliant. Yeah, I think there are still a lot of firms with dead bodies in them now. Well, yeah, there are, there are, and uh, how they can because I know they smell them because they they stink, but um, they (laughs) episode title dead bodies episode yeah dead bodies in your law firm and how to smell them out. But yeah, so over time, you know, I just had to convert from a flat fee to an hourly basis. And, uh, you know, that helped me to survive. But then when I translate that story to lawyers who are trying to operate, oh, I'm going to do divorces for a flat fee. Uh, Really? Okay. (laughs) How are you going (laughs) to... I have stories, stories, stories about, you know, from the consultant end, some of the things that I've encountered over the years, but it's really interesting. It's really interesting. So staying on this topic of forming a new firm, I know you said, you know, you kind of have like a quick start of if you're going to split off, start your firm, this is what you need to do, right? This is what you need, your your playbook, basically. Mm -hmm. At a high level, do you have a few of those things that the, the attorneys or even the firm administrators going over with the attorneys need to consider when starting that new firm? At a high level, the first one that I talk about is one that I don't think many people think of. But one of the things that I notice, and it is not only prevalent in law firms, it's prevalent in our society. But I would encourage, if you're thinking about starting a firm, and you're going to go out with a partner or on your own, I would encourage you to let me have a conversation with you and your spouse, if you have one. Oh, interesting. Because sometimes spouses don't know what they're getting themselves into. And I prefer (laughs) to tell them up front and get them prepared. Because it can save you a lot of headaches, uh, you know, uh, for at home. I talk about the household budget, you know, the family plans financially, the time allocation for kids if they're there. I just bring it all out on the table. And that has been a very, very helpful piece over time because I have clients who would call me when there was an issue at home. Because, okay, we can calm everything down. I, I know the spouse and <laughs> we can work it out. That's, I, that's I am such not an a... interesting concept because you're going mm-hmm. into business. You're owning your own business. You're not just being a lawyer. You're starting a business. And that's where it affects your spouse, not only from the side of I'm going to be working long hours, but here's how our finances are going to be affected. Exactly. And here's how that affects our lives in general. Yes. So that's that's actually really good advice. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. The, and the next one is the entity selection. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what type of entity do you want to be? And that I take that back to your tax return. Are you disciplined enough to... Uh, pay your quarterly estimated taxes, or if not, you need to be a W-2 employees and take it out when you get paid. 
Okay. And 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 sometimes clients of mine have other ventures and things, but I really try to bring it from that personal tax return. Uh, then add in the elements of the K-1 or whatever entity structure you have and then bring it all the way back to this is the type of entity that you need to be. Mm-hmm. And and then go and get it set up. But those are two very high-level pieces that if you don't get them right, <clears throat> I don't care how booming your business is, you can dig a hole <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> that makes sense. That totally makes sense. So... What so you, kind of along that line, you obviously do both business and um, law firms and other types of businesses. What are some of the primary differences and then similarities you see between those, you know, in the industry and outside of the industry? Well, again, dating myself, the, the first similarity <laughs> that I saw was um, when I started gaining more uh, high tech companies that they wore shorts to work. Oh my goodness. I am wearing shorts right now. Rob (laughs) wears shorts because he thinks he has great legs. And that is not true. Yes, it is. People who work. It is a hundred degrees (laughs) here in Dallas, Texas. You also wear shorts that are about four inches too short for you. And Uh again, that's not true. I've seen pictures of your shorts. And if I could just get like four inches more fabric on the end of them i think you would just be such a better work suit for you <laughs> winston you can continue <laughs> we can move past amanda no, i'm enjoying this no he uh, wants to hear more about your short shorts <laughs> yeah. oh my he also goodness. rides a peloton which he's very proud of telling everybody and so he thinks it makes him have even better legs so yes uh oh. there you go shorts yeah no you've shorts never none of that has ever come out of my mouth you would never find that in an email a text message or anything but amanda keep writing the story back to what you were saying about <laughs> similarities so on our next episode we're bringing on yeah. people who work for rob and they're going to validate this story uh, that would actually be pretty funny <laughs> oh, oh my god oh my gosh sorry similarities shorts yeah, so hilarious. <laughs> but no that coming coming from that age where i even i as the legal administrator had a jacket hanging on the back of my door, you know, and into this very casual, then this is, of course, years ago when it was just starting to, you know, transition into all the cool stuff in the high tech companies. But it was like, oh, my God, how did you get anything done? You know? <laughs> but I kept that comment to myself. Uh, high tech companies would say, you, you dress too well to visit us. <laughs> Oh my gosh. True story. We had somebody wear a jacket their first day. And I said, that will be the last time you wear a jacket here. He's been here about six months now. And he he reminded me of that now that he wears shorts every day to work. It's very true. The two times I visited you there, even when I just come straight off the plane, I always feel overdressed. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I think you're right, Winston. I think there is just some some standards that are hard to get rid of. And the last firm I worked at, we didn't see clients in the office. So a lot of people had more of that casual dress, but I still came and wore heels like every day because it was just ingrained in me that 
you know, you wear heels to work. That's what you do. And I'm also very, very, very short. So I need those couple (laughs) inches that these heels give me. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, it's just a hobbit running the firm. <laughs> Winston oh, doesn't know what to say. <laughs> Minus I, no, the furry ears. <laughs> so, Winston, when you're talking about the similarities between other types of businesses and law firms, one thing you always hear too lawyers don't go to law school to learn how to run a business. And we've talked about on some of our other episodes how sometimes the firm administrator track doesn't necessarily, you know, the people don't come up from a business background. Sometimes it's from a paralegal or a legal assistant. Since you have experience outside of working with law firms, what are some of those best business practices that you would like to see law firms take into consideration or maybe adopt? Well, um, uh, oh, you guys ask great questions. Um, (laughs) I think you must have had low expectations, maybe. (laughs) I know I had no expectations. (laughs) Good. Good. So really anything we do from here up is raises the bar. Great. You know, no, one one of the things for any type of company, and and we asked about law firms specifically, but it's any type of company, especially if they're going to be multiple owners. Who's the visionary and who's the operations person? And if neither of you, neither of you are that, admit it, and make sure someone on your management team is. Because you cannot have the visionary person oversetting the tone and the culture of the company. Now, I use it company now since we're in this pandemic and working remotely. Otherwise, I would say of the office. Because that element can be detrimental to the success of the company. Because once you bring in human capital, and your office culture is schizophrenic, <laughs> so will your production be. Never seen that. Oh, never? <laughs> no. <laughs> and, that was sarcasm. But these are little nuances. No, they're huge. That mm-hmm. that people think, oh, make a widget, sell it for X, the profit is Y, and we're good. No, there are there are elements of uh, of an entity, and I call a company a living and breathing entity comprised of all of these pieces. And the pieces need to be kept healthy, not cancerous. <laughs> and, and if it does get to be uh, sick, then you need to decide to either make it well, make it better, or cut it out. And when owners don't agree on these type of things or don't care or don't know to care, then their whole organization can just be a nightmare. You can tell those owners or those management teams that are under stress, you can just see it in their eyes. You know, they're not happy. They know that their staff is not happy. They have high turnover. And I, I've had the opportunity to go into some companies with uh, illnesses like this and really turn them around. And the most successful uh, companies in making it happen are those that look in the mirror and tell the truth about themselves. 
And I'm, I don't beat them up. I just say, let's just acknowledge that there's a problem. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier, you talked about associates splitting off for compensation reasons. And now we're talking about partnerships breaking up. Of the, the firms that you're setting up, the new firms you're setting up, does one outweigh the other? Do you see one of more, more of one, excuse me, than the other? Both. You're seeing both. Yeah, yeah I, I, I see both. I mean, I'm in my head right now. There are just stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm working with several senior level associates right now who are considering it. You know, I take them through the process. I mean, three of them, like they hired me to do a day long retreat. There was three different senior associates mm-hmm. in different firms. and They were talking about coming together and creating their own. And so we went to the to the resort, got a room for a day and threw my laptop up on the screen. And I started walking through with them. What is your vision for this potential entity? And we got to a point in the conversation that said something like, give me a day in the life of you as an owner in this firm. And one of them said, well, you know, I want to arrive at the office around noon. And then I could see (laughs) the other two potential partners go like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and what that led to was a true discussion about what you want to achieve in this new life of yours. And the three of them decided not to come together and uh, create a firm. And I'm glad they did because it would not have worked. That's such great advice to actually be thinking about it from the beginning and to do that full day retreat or the full day strategic planning and sit down with the consultant and really look at what do I want out of this and what is it going to cost me to get that? And I think that's just really valuable advice for sure. So I'm going through a transition right now for a new firm transitioning. And I've seen this many times where they do the opposite, Winston. The attorney splits off, they bring their business over, and they actually consult with their old firm administrator to help them just set things up. Mm -hmm. But they don't look at it holistically. And and some of those firms, I've seen them fail right away. Mm -hmm. You know, the attorney realizes really quickly, hey, maybe I'm not cut out for owning my own business. So it's interesting to really hear your perspective on that and how they should go about it. Oh, yeah. Let's um, go to another aspect of it. They don't think it through. They just go and do it. Uh, let's mm-hmm. say and they were both partners in the old firm and they're going to be partners together in the new firm. Right. But then right. they get inside and say, well, I never knew how he managed his practice because um, one partner does not want to work. He wants to manage people. But in the new firm, you don't have a staff. You have to do the work yourself. But yes, he still wants that same compensation that he was generating in the (laughs) old firm. Oh, yeah. I've seen that too. And boy, they are not pretty. Yeah, I've seen that one too. That's a fun one. That's another one that doesn't last very long. (laughs) So let's transition. Speaking of stories, I heard there's a story about the two of you guys clowning around in Denver. Oh, no. (laughs) Did you get it? Um, I got it. I love yeah. it. I love it. That's good. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I, so... had a, I had a stroke last night in my long-term memory. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, good okay. thing Amanda didn't. Yeah. Oh. Well, actually, no. The funny thing is, is my memory is a little cloudy of this, and I went and pulled some <laughs> pictures up. 
And some of the pictures are going to be in our show notes and our extra resources on our website. So everybody, please go and check that out. Uh, Hopefully Winston will not see which pictures I have chosen to put of him. So we've talked on and on about the Association of Legal Administrators and the conferences. And we went to a, I want to think it was a regional conference in Denver. I can't even remember the year. I want to say maybe 2007 to six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. I don't, Winston, I don't know if you remember the year or not. I do not. <laughs> Let me guess. Remember Let me he guess. had a stroke. He had a stroke. That's right. You had the stroke. Okay. Okay. So we went to Coyote Ugly because where else do tourists in our middle age go when they're in town to a location, we go to Coyote Ugly. And the funny thing is, is that there, you know, ALA is predominantly women. I think the demographics are like 85% women. So we were all at this bar and there was mostly women and they have like a dance off, right? And so two administrators get to jump up on the stage and do some kind of dance. And then whoever votes you you win based on the votes and so winston was there and the picture i have of us i think there was like six women and you in the picture you were like our bouncer and (laughs) our protector and our friend but at one point you disappeared and brought back a cheer squad to help uh, (laughs) us win the uh best cheering so do you want to tell about that (laughs) Now, okay. Well, I've written a book about myself, so I should be pretty open about whatever. Right. But I do not <laughs> I do not know why these guys started talking to me in the men's room. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh That's I, a whole different story. I was I was kind of feeling good, you know. <laughs> and so uh I engaged them in conversation. They Four of them now. Four? Yeah. Four of them. They wound up being, this is true, true, clowns (laughs) from a circus. (laughs) What the? What? (laughs) Wow. They still have like their red nose? No. No. But they, they, a circus was traveling through town and they were off that night and they were hanging out at the club. So I recruited them to come into our group and cheer for what's her name? Um, uh, I think it was Tony. 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 Tony was on like stage, and I don't know how she happened to have on white socks and black pants, but she was doing her Michael Jackson, and she was killing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the clowns and all the ALA people from Texas were just roaring up, and 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 Tony won. Tony won yep. that contest. Then we went bowling with the clowns. Well, yeah. And then afterwards, Winston and I leave and I didn't, I'm just like, okay, let's go somewhere. And so there was like this late night bowling. And the next thing I know, there's all these guys with us. And I'm like, okay, who are all these guys? And Winston, oh, it's the clowns. (laughs) It's just the clowns. But my favorite part of that is that night Denver had, and I don't know if they still have this like art installation of all these big cows right they're like um i don't know ceramic paper mache whatever they're like they're statues that are cow size and it is apparently against the law to manipulate or touch the cows in any way that did not stop us 
so we have a lot of photos of the cows and like one I have of you, Winston, once you see it, you're going to die, but you're like laying underneath the cow. And that's actually all I'm going to say. You're <laughs> <laughs> The mostly legal podcast.com. Oh. <laughs> yep, it is in our show notes. The mostly legal podcast.com. You can Amanda. see Winston and the cow. <laughs> Amanda. <laughs> okay. Don't don't have me come and find out where you live. Um <laughs> Uh, you're you're closer to Rob. He's in Dallas. <laughs> okay, okay. Wow. <laughs> I can't I can't wait to see the photos. You know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Um, I'm I'm gonna wipe all it out of my head for the moment. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, as we always say, Rob, there's always a good story from an ALA conference, and <sighs> at some point, you're gonna make some stories with us at conferences, right? <laughs> So, oh, dot 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 now, dot now, dot dot. Now, 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 wait, I will wait, observe. <laughs> wait a minute now. On behalf of the conferences, we we actually learn a lot. <laughs> in, in I think it was in May of 1997, we went to a national conference in Seattle, and at that conference, I was sitting there listening, and that's when it hit me that. I could take something and do it on my own as my own business because, and I know my company didn't send me there to do that, but they, they were talking about business and structures and identifying services and market. It's just so much stuff. And I remember I extended my stay in uh, Seattle uh, by 10 days and I locked up in my hotel room. And I got a yellow notepad and that's where I wrote out my business plan. And I came back wow. and gave my uh, employer six months notice because I had really set them up well, uh, but I wanted to give them time to find the right person. I announced July 1st of 1997 that I was um, starting my own company. And within a month I had my first client. So <laughs> ALA is just an awesome group and the information I have learned over time is transferable between industries. Right. And so you're, you're actually now transitioning out of doing the legal management realm. Well, you know, I'll still take consulting client, but I'm not actively uh, looking for law clients. I am heavily involved in film now and uh, my consulting time is going towards filmmakers. If you talk about, differences in industries. Uh, the arts world is a different beast. And the right. artist, those that I'm talking to, uh, you know, what I'm saying you're an artist, and you, you probably don't have any business acumen. And you're probably uh, gullible, because you want your art to be seen by the world. And there are people out there who will take advantage of you. Right. So I've been converting over to helping them and setting up financial arrangements, you know, that, that will benefit the both of us. So how did you get started in film? What was the catalyst for that? Uh, <laughs> um, my brother, uh, who okay. is a filmmaker, put me in front of the camera as lead male actor in three short films. Okay. And I'm not an actor. But 
<laughs> never wanted to be. But he asked me and I did it. Um, and with the second short film, we we took it around the country, you know, uh, to different film festivals, having a blast. And um, I said, well, does Austin have a black film festival? And it didn't. So I started it and there you go. <laughs> so you so you started it to showcase that work or what was kind of your thinking behind that? Well, my thinking behind it was that Austin at that time was becoming a very hot place for films to be made. And I knew that there was a black community that didn't have a base, uh, a home, you know, to, to gather. And, and I wanted from a black perspective to uh, showcase the talent that's here in Austin. But before you know it, we were international. And wow. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, your, your festival kind of sets the standard for a lot of other cities, right? I mean, I know you've been emulated and replicated, but you're still the gold standard. Is that true? Well, you know, I, I wouldn't take it that far. Now, we've set, <laughs> we've set a very good standard. Um, oh, you're being uh, humble, I think. Uh, yes, I am. We, we've <laughs> set a very good standard, but we did have models. I mean, hell, South by Southwest, I mean, it's here, right here in town. I mean, right. that's the... Just look at it and say, okay, they did this, and uh, that's that's the standard. But ours was for a niche audience. And, you know, since that time, we've developed relationships with the Jewish Film Festival, the Asian Film Festival, uh, the LGBTQ Film Festival. You know, all of the smaller festivals, we gather around and support each other and promote each other because these are voices that we don't want to get lost in the mix. They still need a platform. We are nurturing them along in their careers. And, and I've really enjoyed it. I mean, people think that I'm a quote unquote film guy and I'm not. I'm a serial <laughs> entrepreneur. Just, there you are. Just give me an idea and I can take it from a thought to existence and success. That's it. <laughs> so you've met a lot of famous people. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. 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 Me to go down the list? Yeah, I'd love to hear some of the people <laughs> that you've met and have worked alongside. Well, okay. And I get to say this because it's the truth. When I decided to start the film festival, I remember the day. It was April 2nd, 2013. The day before I just had turned 50, right? And I said, you know, oh, I'm 50 now. I've done everything that I wanted to do, but that's not, a, that'll be in the next book. <laughs> the third book. <laughs> but literally I sat down uh, that morning with my laptop on my lap on the sofa. And I, and I said, if I did a film festival, you know, what would it be? And by the end of the day, I had 523 lines in a spreadsheet wow. of tasks. Oh Yeah. And I picked up the phone and I call. Her name is Anoa Moncho. She's my partner in crime <laughs> business. Right. And I said, hey, you know, I'm going to start a film festival. That's our next adventure, you know, because she had been my project <laughs> manager for my book. And she said, OK. And she was at a networking function. And she started telling the people there. And do you know, within three weeks, I had Viola Davis's home number. Shut up. Uh, I did not know her. I did not know her husband. But through a series of people introducing me, 
wow. got on a conference call. I think she was in Hong Kong shooting a movie, and he was in L.A. Uh, starting up their production company, Juvie Productions. Uh, got on a conference call with them, and he's a friend now. I didn't know him, but Anoa knew him. This other guy, Doug. And Doug introduced me to them because they're his friends. I didn't know that Viola's husband is from Austin. Oh, okay. Okay. That's the connection. That's and the connection. he had a ton of friends here in town that I got to meet. And from there, they signed on to support our film festival over the phone. Wow. Without even, even before it was incredible. Even the, yeah. Even before it was off the ground. Yeah. They had signed on yeah. to support it. Yeah. Yeah. So when she got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and she invited me out, I mean, I went with their friends from Austin and we had a ball. But in that close circle, I met Denzel. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I looked Meryl Streep in the face, you know, uh, didn't get my name after her, but she saw me and we exchanged greetings. Um, awesome. all of the guys from How to Get Away with Murder, uh, oh, she had just so did jealous. Fences, and all the actors were there from Fences, and it was it was amazing. I'm saying, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> but since then, you know, Anthony Anderson was our um, ambassador this past year, so he and I got to oh connect via Zoom and have a conversation. Um, uh, a friend of mine that I met through the film festival, I looked up and he was on Broadway with Carrie Washington. Wow. And I sent him a text. Hey man, can you get me backstage? He said, sure. So <laughs> I went. And so when I sat down in the theater, there's Dwayne Wade right behind me. So oh, I took behind out, you, I like that. You, yeah. Behind <laughs> you, I got that. I caught that. So I turned around. <laughs> bam! Here's the here's my business card. My name is Winston G. Williams. I'm the founder of the Capital City Black Film Festival. And then he was backstage. So got to talk to him again. Met Queen Latifah backstage because she was executive producing. Uh, of course, Mayor Carrie Washington, and then uh, Louis Gossett Jr. invited me to his house in Atlanta. Oh, wow. So I went over. He had won our uh, Harlem Lights Award, which is named after the Harlem Theater that was in East Austin. And it was okay. the, it was an iconic place for the Black community during segregation uh, and shortly thereafter. But um, uh, so we named the award after it. And I he didn't make it to the festival. So I flew out there. And went to his house and hung out with him for a while. And that was so cool. What what a sacrifice to have to go all the way up to Louis Gossett Jr.'s house because he couldn't make it to a festival. What a bootstrap business. It's pretty amazing, Winston. And so do you have your next year's ambassador chosen yet? Or is it top secret? No, no, no. We are making that selection in the next six weeks. So Winston, I'm gonna ask you a big question again. You've done so much in your career so far. What are you most proud of? Ooh. <laughs> okay, I do have an answer, but it's it's not anything that I've accomplished. I'm most proud of the help that I've been able to give to others to further their careers and their, and better their lives. I look at 
my law firms, let's say. And I'm just so happy to see those that are successful, happy, you know, able to retire after all these years. I look at in the arts world, we keep a list of young people that have come through us. And and I'm just that very hands-on nurturing kind of person. The transition of young people's lives that we've been uh, effective in is phenomenal. I tell a story about a young man. He graduated high school. He was best friends of my, you know, a little adopted nephews. And he went to TCU and he dropped out and after two weeks. And I saw him back in Austin. I said, aren't you in college? He said, oh, I couldn't make it. Then he called me and said, hey, can I talk to you? And he came by the house and talked to me. And he asked me to mentor him. And his best friends called him Eeyore. He lacked self-confidence. He doubted himself um, and didn't know how smart he was. I took him, that young man, he built our very first website. Mm-hmm. He put our marketing plan together. He did our uh, Kickstarter campaign, designed it all. He became our R&D research and development person over three years, maintained our website. After three years, I said, look, it's time for you to go back to college. But right. during that three years, you know, if we worked in my office or he came to my house to work, we would have personable conversations and he needed a lot and I gave it to him. He went back to college. He is now an engineer at NASA in Houston. Wow. Um, we Amazing. have stories like that. That is what, I mean, I get chills thinking about it now. That is what I'm most proud of, the the impact that I've been able to make through these businesses on people's lives. Well, it's, I know I didn't set you up for this, but that is exactly like I, you, you picked a 25 year old kid in me to recommend for the first law firm job I ever had. And it was in an industry that was, you know, run by middle-aged people. And so I come in this scrappy little nothing of a kid trying to figure out what I'm doing and trying to find my place. And now many years later, I will not, everybody knows how many years you guys can all do the math, but now, you know, all these years later, I'm now in legal management and, and have definitely moved up the ranks in what I'm doing. And and that is because of you, that is because of your influence and not just picking me and putting me in front of people, but also, you know, I tell the story all the time that I went to my first ALA meeting before I even received my first check from the firm. And it was because you said, Hey, Amanda, you started February 13th and the monthly luncheon is February 21st. So you need to get out there and do that. And, um, so yeah, I, again, we didn't set you up for that, but you, you do have that impact. I know from a very personal standpoint and Rob, think about it this way. You get to know me because Winston brought me into legal. Think about how boring your life would be if I wasn't. Well, Amanda, you really took it full circle for me. <laughs> that was great. So Thank you, Winston, for everything. You've done for me personally. <laughs> oh, man. So tonight when I'm bugging you about something, you can be like, oh, thanks, Winston. Really appreciate it. You know, uh, you know Rob, you are welcome. <laughs> 
Okay. So <laughs> we'll move into our last segment, which is the one we call Pitch Your Passion. And we've talked a lot about your passions already. But, um, you know, I told you this is your time to talk about whatever you want, whether it's a business or a charity or anything you're passionate about. Take it away. Ooh. Oh. All right. My passion in this world that we live in is the first 16 years of being a, a, a consultant, I never had a black client. And I could look around and not see black businesses serving the industry that I was servicing. Then I started the Black Film Festival. And then... Uh, um, I started getting more black clients and things. I don't know what, how the two of them worked out, but what I want to see is my passion is helping. If if you want it, not everybody is, should own their own business, but if you want it and have the ability to do it, I want you to know that you can. And I'm talking about black businesses. But mm -hmm. I also want non-black businesses to be open to utilizing black businesses <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm on my game. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have left 98% of my clients better than I found them. So I'm good at what I do. Right. But if there is a barrier, and you and I talked about this before, uh, about mm -hmm. the diversity and inclusion, what do we need to do to uh, make a real shift? Now, I'm not saying that the Black businesses are out there that other uh, entities can engage with. I don't know. But um, are there barriers to entry? And if they are, what are they and how do we resolve them? I think there's progress being made, but we still have so much to do. I have been blessed. I have been truly blessed in that in all of my consulting years, I don't advertise. It's been 24 years of referrals. And wow. Wow. I don't really know what I did. You know, I haven't analyzed it. I mean, I've just been <laughs> blessed. So yeah, just, but yeah. you did a great job. You know, I, but I, I deliver, I think I deliver well to my clients what they need, what they want at a good price. And we get to, you know, work well together. But um, so my passion, my passion is making sure that, 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 that there's a level playing field for black owned businesses, for entry, execution, and happiness. So that's it. That's that's great. Well, you clearly have an eye for picking out good talent. <laughs> clearly. So. <laughs> so let's let's wrap the last segment, Amanda. <laughs> Winston, it's been awesome having you today. Agreed. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming on and helping us wrap this story up. I, Thank you I've so much. I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you guys for thinking of me. And I would like to review and approve all photos before the post. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mostly Legal Podcast. If you like what you heard today, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can also check us out online on themostlylegalpodcast.com where you can sign up for our email list and you can get weekly recaps as well as some cool takeaways from each episode. <laughs>